This is Salt and Spine. Hi there, I'm Brian Hogan-Stewart, and you're listening to Salt and Spine, Stories Behind Cookbooks. You're tuning in for a special episode today. It's Election Day 2022 in the United States, and so we thought it would be fun to invite today's guest to join us to talk about politics, baking, feelings, emotions, and more. So we're joined today by our guest, Becca Ray Tucker, who is the creator of The Sweet Feminist. It's an Instagram account that chances are you've seen on your feed, where she's been saying it was sugar since 2018. In her words, from pro-abortion pies to prison abolitionist sugar cookies, she's been posting content on The Sweet Feminist that brings together baking and politics in a fresh and exciting way. And that led to her first cookbook, Baking by Feel, Recipes to Sort Out Your Emotions, Whatever They Are Today, where she offers 65 recipes that are paired with an emotion. So she calls them playful twists on classic cakes, cookies, pies, and more. Things like kitchen sink cookies that are perfect if you're feeling awkward for instance, or thick and chewy maple cookies, which are for those moody moments we have. We invited Becca to join us virtually today to talk about how she got into baking, how she merged political activism and baking on her Instagram account, and what led her to this first cookbook. If you're listening on Election Day, I hope you've already cast your ballot, and you can sit back and enjoy our conversation with Becca and think about how you're feeling and what you might like to bake. So let's head now to our virtual studio, where Becca Ray Tucker joined us to talk cookbooks. Hi, Becca. Thank you so much for joining us on Salt and Spine. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. We are thrilled to have you and to talk about your first cookbook, Baking by Feel. I, I love this cover. If folks haven't seen it, the, the letters yes. have been cut out of the, the dough here. And is that your hand there? The that L is, in fact, my letter? hand. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations, Baking by Feel, recipes to sort out your emotions, uh, whatever they are today. Really excited to talk about your work and about this book. Um, but we always start just by hearing a little bit more about you and how you got to where you are today and particularly your relationship to food and baking. So I know you grew up with your grandmother as a pretty big influence in terms of baking, right? Yes, that is my first baking memory is making chocolate chip cookies with my grandma um, in her kitchen. I think we did it every time I went over there. In my mind, we did it every time I went over there. Um, but that, sure. yes, that's my earliest baking memory. Sure. And were you involved in baking then or were you kind of watching for some time or how, when did you sort she of always, get the baking bug She always for good? let us do something. Okay. If that was just licking the beaters, then, you know, that's what it was. But I, I feel like I was involved. But then I started baking from cake mixes and that kind of stuff in, you know, middle school, high school, in college. I lived in this big house where um, two people made dinner every night and then you switched okay. off. So you got dinner every night, but you only had to make it once a week. Um, and there were some incredible sure. bakers that lived in that house. Um, and that sort of just set the fire in me to want to focus on baking um, as opposed to just cooking. And then my professional life after that, I've you know been in the food world. I worked for a bean to bar chocolate company. I worked for Baked and Wired, which is, I think, the best bakery in DC. Baked goods have always just sort of been around. And then I started an online platform on Instagram called The Sweet Feminist, where I was putting feminist messages defined broadly on cakes and still baking on my own. I was also writing just recipes for myself. I had a food blog before that where I was just learning how to write recipes. And so that's sort of how I got here, a winding path. 
<laughs> yeah. for how to get here. <laughs> yeah. So you started the blog and then later the Instagram and the, the mm-hmm. Sweet Feminist Instagram um, focusing on these, you know, really visually striking cakes with these, you know, political empowering statements written on to them. And, and in particular, in the early days and throughout sort of a focus on abortion access and yes. making that sort of a central theme of the cakes. What sort of, what sort of brought all of that together for you? This, you know, how did you sort of get tapped into political activism? And then obviously, you had the baking bug for a bit. Talk about how that all sort of came together to become the Sweet Feminist. Yeah. So at the time I started The Sweet Feminist, I was living in Washington, D.C. Um, and so there is a lot of political activity there. Um, and this sure. was during uh, the Trump administration. And so I had a lot of anger and fear and things that I wanted to share with other people. But I wasn't quite sure how to do that. So I decided to start with what I knew, which was cakes. Um, I know how to write on cakes. So I decided to start an Instagram account doing that. Um, and then it sort of grew much bigger than I had ever imagined. Did it take off pretty quick? Like, when did it sort of yeah, take off? Was it right I would, from the I beginning, would say, kind of? I yeah. would say it took off pretty quickly and then sort of just grew exponentially um, after sure. that. After the first few months, I think it, it grew a lot more. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly you're doing something really unique and and wonderful, but also kind of it, it you had some other contemporaries or peers, right? We have Drake on cakes, like this, this yes. idea of writing and taking an inventive approach to text or, you know, handwritten text on cake. Um, yeah, exactly. Sort I think of in you the should use whatever, too. <laughs> yeah, I think you should use yeah. whatever medium is available to you. For me as a baker, that was cake, but whatever it is for sure. you is, you know, can be your medium. Sure. So the the Instagram is really focused on, you know, these political statements and uh, messages on cakes. But there's historically on your Instagram account, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's a lot of that, like, of what we see in your book, right? So that focus on emotions and feelings. When did that sort of become a theme for you? And how did the idea for the book come about? Yeah. So I had the opportunity to go to therapy for the first time a couple of years ago. Um, and so I started diving into my own feelings. Um, and through doing that, I realized that I sort of just intellectualized those feelings instead of feeling them. So I could describe them to you in perfect detail, but I was sort of keeping them at an arm's length. Um, but then I sort of discovered that if I was doing something to ground myself in the real world, if I was doing something tactile, um, it was easier for me to sit with those emotions and process them. Um, and I realized that baking is one of those tools um, for me because it's such a sensory thing. You know, you're really grounded in the present moment because you're doing all these tasks and using all of your senses to do that. And so I was doing that for myself. And I actually think it's very common for people to use food this way as Mm -hmm. a tool to process emotions. Um, And so I tried to combine uh, these two interests that I had, which was feelings and baking um, into one sort of guidebook where you choose what to bake based on what you're feeling that day. So each recipe has an emotion pairing. And yeah, you you read through the list of emotions and you're like, you know, today I'm feeling kind of like bitter. I'm I'm going to make mm-hmm. these chocolate espresso shortbread cookies. So for me, the idea, I guess it felt like a light bulb. It, it really did feel like a light bulb. One day I was sitting there and I was like, that's it. So I sat there and wrote down everything I could think of all the ideas that popped into my head and then worked from that. 
Yeah, I'm really curious what that process is like for you, like how you how you pair a recipe and an emotion. Like I pulled yeah. a couple examples here, but like, you know, uh-huh. if you're feeling doubtful today, you suggest making your blueberry pancake pie. Or if you're feeling yep. scared, like perhaps the carrot cream cheese bars are are the recipe for you. What's that process like for how you sort of approach that that pairing? Yeah. So sometimes it's a flavor thing, like lemon okay. is just a really bright flavor, so that is going to go with something happy. It could be some part of the process that we're doing. Um, Like for some of the recipes, some of the, in the angry chapter, the mad chapter, some of the recipes we are banging graham crackers to get graham cracker crumbs. And so we're using that process as a way to uh, Mm. get this energy out of our body um, in a tactile way. And it could be like, if you are bored I have my longest recipe paired with that, which is the um, cinnamon buns, coffee glazed uh-huh. cinnamon buns. And um, you have to pay attention to that because it's just a very long process. Here's your activity. This is what we're doing. So yeah, it could be, it's a, it's a few ways of pairings. Yeah, I love that. And and the structure of the book is so unique because you you have this focus on these feelings and you break them down into these five sort of primary emotions, right? Happy, sad, mad, anxious, and hopeful. But then within there, there's all sorts of emotions and feelings. And not only is it just like, if you're feeling, you know, doubtful, make the blueberry pancake pie, but you have a sidebar for every recipe where you sort of share some you know, commentary, I guess, uh, on that emotion and some prompts for thinking about your relationship with that emotion. If you're feeling that, sometimes there's writing prompt suggestions or thinking prompt suggestions from you. What was that process like for you to pull together all of those like emotional, can we call them emotional sidebars or all of that? <laughs> like, did did you do some, you know, research? What was that like to really take all of those sub emotions and dive yeah. into into that? Yeah. So some of those activities come from like my yoga practice. So from yoga teachers, there's a lot of breathing exercises. There's things from my therapist. Um, there's things from my <laughs> friends who are therapists who um, sure. suggested some ideas to me. Um, so yeah, there are just prompts to maybe be mindful, I guess, to bring you into into those moments. And it could be a journal prompt. It could be for rejection. Um, I'm asking you to grab a piece of scrap paper and write down what rejected you, what you feel rejected by. And then I'm asking you to crumple it up and throw it into the trash. Um, so there are some things that we're doing in the real world, as well as the baking, because there's a lot of time between when you put it in the oven and when the timer goes off for a lot of things. Um, And so I'm trying to give you something to do in that moment as well. Yeah, I thought that was great. You do that, you know, with specific recipes, but also at the outset of the book, you have sort of a whole page of uh, grounding activities for waiting for the timer to go off Mm -hmm. that are not tied to an explicit recipe or emotion. But there is just that art of waiting that I think is so intrinsic in baking. So I I loved that too. Right. And it's, it is hard to sit with those feelings. I think sometimes like it's, it can be uncomfortable. So if you have something giving you a direction, I think that can be helpful. 
And I really appreciated that you start the book, too, by saying that it's an, an emotionally agnostic book. In other words, this, in your words here, you say, in other words, whatever you're feeling, it's 100% okay. And just yeah. kind of moving from that as like a framing at the outset. Yeah, because I think a lot of times we police our own feelings. Like we're like, oh, I'm feeling jealous and that's something bad and I shouldn't be feeling that. And we feel guilty about the feeling. Um, and so I want people to feel supported by the book. Like there's no judgment in the book for whatever your feelings happen to be today. Um, they're all human and I don't believe that there are good or bad feelings. You know, there are just feelings and they're all okay. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned this idea too, or this, um, this aspect that early on in your therapy journey, you realized you were great at intellectualizing emotions. Um, but and you write about this in the book, too, but not so much of, you know, fully feeling them. If you are someone if you know, somebody's listening, or somebody's interested in getting into baking more and tapping into feeling their emotions more fully, how do you suggest like approaching baking to help you more fully feel your feelings? Yeah, for me, it's about being in your body and seeing where that feeling is in your body. And baking is a natural pair because it is such a sensory experience. You are there with your body doing something. And so for me, it's easier to do it that way instead of sitting there and trying to think about the feeling. And if I just think about the feeling really hard, that's feeling, which turns out it's not. <laughs> um, so for me, um, it's helpful to just see where the emotion shows up in my body and sit with that um, while you're doing something with your hands and, you know, making something that's going to be beautiful and delicious. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the other implicit thing that happens at the end of every recipe is is that there's that nourishment aspect too, right? Yes. So when we talk about feeling feelings or, or even just the broader concept of like self-care and nourishing ourselves and others, that that's the end result of all of these recipes. Right. right. Yeah. And if it's just for you, that's absolutely fine. Like the book is not, you don't have to share with someone if you made it, you know, it can't sure. just be yeah. for you. <laughs> totally. Um, <laughs> cooking, of course, and baking, too, have always sort of been closely tied and woven into, you know, political and social movements. Obviously, your Instagram, The Sweet Feminist, and that brand of yours is is very closely tied to political activism. Do you think of this book in terms of the, the feeling and emotion aspect as being a political book as well? Um, I think it can be kind of, you know, radical to meet your own needs um, in a way mm. that we often don't, especially, you know, women are often concerned with the emotions of other people around them. So this is giving you an opportunity to really focus in on your own internal world. Um, but I would say it's like a an offshoot of what I do with The Sweet Feminist, because through The Sweet, Sweet Feminist, people have shared their lives with me. They've shared a lot of emotions and um, stories and that kind of stuff. And so I think it's a continuation, but just, you know, in a different, in a different vein um, than what I was doing, than what I do with The Sweet Feminist. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's a great point that, you know, historically baking and, and even cooking to some extent, home cooking has been viewed in a gendered way as a, a woman's role. And so e right. even do you think that, you know, this book and, and books like this that really encourage that, is that from a feminist stance in your mind? Yeah. I mean, I think of 
you know, food has always been like a site of community for women, a way to, you know, people were feeding movements and meeting each other around food when there weren't as many other options um, for women. So I do think it fits into that tradition, even though I think a lot of times people try to pigeonhole baking and um, into domesticity um, when actually, you know, people were like raising money for causes by writing recipes and putting them in a cookbook, some kind of community cookbook. Like there's a lot of history of that. And so, yeah, I see this as continuing that, that tradition. Yeah. Did you, did you um, think about that as you were writing this book, sort of the role of cookbooks in, in movements and how your, your work is kind of building on that or adding to that? Yeah. I mean, I, I am very interested in that personally. Um, I collect those kind of community cookbooks. There's so much, um, you know, history in them as well. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it like really, I do think about that personally. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. If you're, you know, when you're looking at either community cookbooks or, you know, modern cookbooks that are yeah. contemporaries of yours, like what are you looking for in a great cookbook? I am looking for a voice that comes through. Um, like I want to be able to uh, feel whoever is writing it and the context of when they're writing it. Um, I also enjoy when cookbooks um, meet people where they're at. And that's something Mm -hmm. I sort of admire about the community cookbooks is that they are accessible. Um, And something that was important to me with writing Baking by Feel was um, giving enough instructions that people who maybe aren't as comfortable with baking or not as familiar would still be able to follow the recipe. So I do a lot of sensory cues, like with Swiss buttercream, um, you whisk egg whites and sugar um, over each other in a double boiler on the stove um, and how you tell that it's ready to be transferred to whip into the butter is um, if the sugar crystals, um, you can't feel them when you put the egg white and the sugar on your fingers and um, rub sure. them together. So I try to draw on those kinds of things that will empower people to be able to do the recipe themselves and do these skills themselves, you know, moving forward. Yeah. And not assuming that people have these skills already, I guess. Right. We are airing this conversation on on election day, midterm election year. And you write in the book, you know, baking can help us cope and that this book is designed to support you in that effort as you bake through all your feels. So I'm wondering if you have advice for people who I I hope everyone's listening to this live on (laughs) on election day, uh, having already voted. Um, But advice for people who are thinking of maybe baking as a medium today or in this, you know, modern moment that we're in as a way to, you know, calm anxieties or cope with losses or celebrate victories? I would say use it as a tool. Like I see this as a tool that is there um, among other things um, to help you in these kind of moments. Um, And I hope that this book will help you do that no matter what you're feeling um, on election night. I hope that somewhere in the 65 emotions that are listed in the book um, that you can find, um, see yourself, see yourself in those. I love that. Well, we always end with a little game and I thought it'd be really fun to play a little game today to learn a little bit more about some of these emotions um, or not learn about more, but just have some fun with them. And um, I have some ingredients here. So I thought what we would do is you can pick any number between 31 and 80. Sorry that those are kind of arbitrary numbers, but I'm working with some pre-existing cards. So any number between 31 and 80 and that'll... 
Okay, that'll give us an ingredient. And then <laughs> tell us how you might harness that ingredient and an emotion to like come up with a recipe. It doesn't have to be anything that we actually need to bake, um, sure. but tell us a, a concept. So give us a number and we'll start. 62. 62 is sage, the herb. Okay. So we have sage to work with. Tell us a recipe that we might make with sage can be anything and how that might connect to an emotion. Yeah, sage feels like a really earthy flavor to me. Like I think it grounds you in place. It feels like something is being made in my kitchen. I can like smell the air in the kitchen with the sage. I particularly like putting sage in shortbread. I've made shortbread Mm -hmm. with sage before. So that feels like a natural, a natural pairing with that flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And is and there like, if you could name an emotion, like the what would emotion, that be for you? I would yeah. say sage feels like comfort to me. So I might say mm-hmm. comforting, comfortable. I love that. Yeah. It just feels like a warm, homey kind of deep flavor. Yes. Like being yeah. in the comfort and warmth of your home. Yeah. I'm getting so many Thanksgiving vibes too. Just like sage, yes. of course, but in comfort and like, oh, and some shortbread, yes. some sage shortbread. People around. Um, should we, yes. Love. Yes, totally. Yeah. <laughs> should we do one more? Sure. Okay. Give me another number. Okay. Let's do 47. 47. Ooh, it's a tangelo. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I mean, a tangelo feels like a bright yeah. flavor to me. So I feel, I feel uplifted by a tangelo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kind of sunny, yeah. sunny vibes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That, that totally makes sense to me. And okay. So we've, we're feeling uplifted. We have tangelos. What might we make? I think we should make some kind of cake, some kind of single mm. layer, no fuss cake. Yeah. With the intent of sharing it, I would say. Uh-huh. So, like, I like making cakes when it's not necessarily a special occasion. Like, if you come to my house for dinner, I will probably make you a single layer cake. And this feels like that would fit into that, into that vibe. Just because they seem fancy, but, you know, one layer cakes are really low maintenance. Right. Yes. That sounds great. Well, this was so much fun, Becca. Thank you so much for joining us and congratulations uh, on your first cookbook. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to be here. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find bonus content from today's show and all of our episodes on our Substack, which you'll find at saltandspine.substack.com. Remember, if you like hearing from your favorite authors on Salt and Spine, and I hope you do, please click subscribe wherever you're listening. We also love to see your ratings on Apple Podcasts. Our show today was produced by me, Brian Hogan-Stewart, and our producer, Cleo Worster. Our kitchen correspondent is Sarah Varney. The Salt and Spine original theme song was created by Brunch for Lunch. Salt and Spine is recorded at the Civic Kitchen in San Francisco's Mission District. The Civic Kitchen is now offering both digital and in-person classes for home cooks. You can find out more at civickitchensf.com. Thanks, as always, to Jen Nurse, Chris Bonimo, and the Civic Kitchen team, to Edible San Francisco, to Celia Sack at Omnivore Books, and to Monique Lamas at Hardcover Cook. We'll be back next week with more stories behind the cookbooks you love. Mm-hmm.